In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Volkelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 343. That's right. Uh, as you can tell by that epic intro music, we are the Lanternologists Extreme, and we are here to talk to you about the coolest new issue. <laughs> well, not coolest. The only, it really depends. The only new issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, default, it also becomes the coolest. The only new, the only new issue, but also uh, we're going to have to just go ahead and call it I mean, it's, it's fair to say, regardless of your feelings on it, probably the most hyped issue of Green Lantern for quite a long time. Probably. I guess at the very least, it's the most anticip- probably the most anticipated single issue since what? Jeff Johns' last issue, probably? True. Uh, and not to mention one of the most anticipated DC Comics issues of the past few weeks. Um, I was... Uh, we'll get to feedback a little later in this episode, but uh, I was on Twitter a lot today, checking around some things for New Comic Book Day. By the way, we are recording this on Wednesday, uh, the 7th, right? That's what the day is? Yes, November 7th. This, all right, November 7th. Um, so it's New Comic Book Day, so I was checking out all the posts um, about uh, about Green Lantern following that hashtag, you know, just trying to, trying to keep up with things and people's thoughts. And... Um, in that mix of hashtags being used, not only did I see people talking specifically about that issue, but I saw dozens of uh, LCSs, local comic shops, for those of you who don't know, uh, just using their personal accounts to tweet about the new issues they had in store. And a lot of them were saying anticipated issues, you know, blah, 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 including this issue of Green Lantern. Um were were among their 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 big their big pulls for people coming in this week. So Definitely hyped, uh, not just for Green Lantern fans, but for DC Comics or maybe even comics fans in general. I would, yeah, for, I mean, overall, we, I mean, not that this, not to minimize it, but we know there are, there are some kind of, there are, we always have these big launches or relaunches of series or just, just something that's really, really hot that people are going to want to get in on the ground floor with and with an issue one. The question, of course, remains how long. We know the sales for this issue will go through the roof. The question is, how will the hold be from the drop off from one to two, and then of course, two like two to three, two to four. See what the drop off is. Is is it does it does it hold after the initial drop off from one to two, which there's always going to be? Does it say, stay relatively consistent? Is this going to be like a top ten selling book consistently, or is it going to be something that shows up? Ever so briefly as a top selling book, and then by the time we get to like March or April. You know, it starts working its way down, and the bloom is off the rose. So it's tough. To, it's tough to tell. 
Because we, we know how Green Lan- cause we know how hot Green Lantern started. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so we are going to open up with the Green Lantern issue number one, written by Grant Morrison with art by Liam Sharp. Uh, we also have Steve Olaf is the colorist. Tom or Zekchowski is the letterer. Liam Sharp and Steve Olaf cover. Frank quietly did the variant cover. Jessica Chan, associate editor, and Brian Cunningham, the editor. And we're looking uh, at a story title of Intergalactic Lawman. First, you know, Mark, we haven't done this in a while. Uh, I mean, obviously, the solicit's been out for quite a long time. Should we talk about the cover? The multiple covers. But yes, you mean the, you mean the main cover with all the friggin' word balloons and dialogue and – yes. I don't uh, – Should we sh- – I mean that and the variant cover, of course. Uh, so I have the variant cover. I, I chose the variant cover. It was brought to my uh, attention today when I went to go pick, pick it up. So that definitely – Do you, do you, do you want to explain that to somebody, what that looks like? In a way, well, I guess it's supposed to mirror the last page of the book, even though it's not quite a obviously a verbatim image. The idea of it kind of looks like a half Hal's face is almost like split. It's almost like a, almost like a cyborg Superman half face, even though it's of course it's real. It looks like a de- decaying, almost like Terminator face on his left hand side, or the right hand side is is looking like normal Hal with a domino mask and in his hair. And actually, actually, his arm almost it does. It, it, now that I look at his arm, too, it definitely is a reminiscent of a cyborg Superman split, but it looks like uh, these machines are about to, like, they're tearing his Green Lantern symbol off his chest, and it looks like they're zeroing it on his chest to start ripping him apart or dissecting him. Right. Uh, the main cover, I mean, guys, you've seen this. This is uh, this is Hal in full uniform uh, facing the reader. His, his, uh, his uh, right uh, hand up with the ring lit up, his, uh, his other hand held at his side holding a power battery. Um, and uh, lots of space stuff happening in the background. Of course, we have the DC Universe uh, logo on the side. It says, Beware My Power Across the Top. Earthman Hal Jordan Brings Justice to the Stars. And, and, and the title of the story, Intergalactic Lawman, at the uh, the bottom. Um, I mean, I like it. Uh, I, I think uh, Hal's proportions are a little wonky to me personally. This is going to be something we'll get into a lot here, or at least on my end of things, is the art. But I'm not going to outright call anything that even sounds negative about this art a specific criticism. I think the things that I point out about the art, at least from my perspective, aren't a criticism so much as it's not necessarily something I'm used to seeking out myself. You know, you guys know, longtime listeners know, I like, like, you know, the, uh, the Yvonne Hayes artwork. I like... You know, classic Neil Adams work. Uh, I like, you know, some Greg Capullo stuff. I mean, that sort of modern, more realistic sort of look to uh, to art. Um, I I don't want to just sit here listing off a ton of references, but you kind of get the idea. This is obviously not that art. This is the Liam's art is very stylized. So for me, it's a preference thing over a critique. But, uh, Mark, how do you feel about uh, this cover? I don't really like the, the standard cover. I, okay. I, I don't – I agree the proportions are kind of off. Hal looks very stiff. I don't like the – there is tons of – there's too much, too many words on that cover. I just don't – I don't 
It is a little busy. And I also don't – and actually, I think it's I think it's kind of everything on – and now we know where the intergalactic – why it says intergalactic lawman on the cover since it's technically the title of the issue. So that makes a little more sense than when we just saw the cover. Uh, I still – I think to me it's all – that part is all kind of clunky or cheesy. Intergalactic lawman, Earthman, Hal Jordan brings justice to the – yeah, to me that – to me, that's that's all just yeah. That, none of that really, really works for me. Now I'm about to hop into the review, uh, or the rather the recap of the story uh, before we talk about our thoughts on it. But let's sort of jump ahead, fast forward a slight bit to something that we'll be talking about in the recap. I'm going to make a judgment call here. Now I could be wrong. I'm going to guess. That part of the reason this cover is so busy with all these these titles and words and the wordiness of it is it's it's another in an attempt uh, uh, in multiple attempts with this issue to recapture and harken back to sort of Silver Age feel and tone because the Silver Age is I mean you guys know I love my Silver Age issues I've got Green Lantern forty that issue with Alan and and Hal teaming up on the cover that you know, crisis reference and all that. Like I, those classic sixties silver age covers were famous for word balloons and titles and, and just stuff all over that cover. So I'm going to guess given the sheer amount of reference that we get in this one issue, that this cover is another attempt to harken back to that. Would you agree? Or do you think it's just, uh, you know, marketing? I think you're probably correct. I do think that if I had to bet, I would say it's probably more that than just let's just throw everything in the world to kind of draw attention to the title. I think of the cover. I think okay. I think you're correct. All right. Well, uh, we've got the cover talk out of the way. We've got the creative talent uh, mentioned. Let's go ahead and launch into the story. Uh, we open up with the Guardians of the Universe on a beautiful splash page, uh, trying to contact a lantern in sector. Uh, 2018.2 for a report. That lantern, Maxim Tox, is in the midst of fighting a spider pirate. Um, and his sector partner, Fluzel Flem, is, <laughs> is a super intelligent all purpose virus. We will, we'll comment on that later. This is just a recap portion. Um, uh, Fluzel uh, gets within this uh, spider pirate being, causes him to cough up and spit up a lot of phlegm, and um, the the lantern, uh, I've already forgot his name, Mox, Tox, Tox, uh, his Tox. Last, name, last name Tox, um, Tox uh, uh, you know, tells him that he'll give him the antidote, but only when he gives him uh, some information. Then a, another uh, another uh, lantern shows up. Um, do we get her name? Because he says Blessed Quaz- Quazumu, but I don't think that's her. No, but I, I don't – I'm trying to th- – I, I don't think we get her name. I don't think we do. They kind of like the pink Zudarian or whatever. That's what it looks – she looks like. Yeah, a pink – it looks like a pink Zudarian, but she's got more – a, a more like a feathered – Yes. sort of main yes. rather than like the straight, but looks like a Zudarian. Yes. Um, so they bring the spider pirate and, and such over, uh, over to, um, 
the the lantern uh it's it's not Chasalon, it's uh Chrysalon. Chrysalon, yes, thank you. Uh so Chrysalon who has some other beings aboard his ship, uh who's there he's taking into protection. We're going to assume they're taking him over to Oa, slat well, new Oa, to the Guardians to be put in science cells. Science cells aren't really mentioned in this issue. Uh, we don't know if that's a thing for Grant Morrison's, uh, you know, version of, of New O and the way Guardians do things. But let's just assume for based on knowledge we do have of the GL universe, that's where they're going. Um, he then flies off, uh, Tux flies off to um, view something else uh, to take care of some other issues. A ship has crashed. He comes upon some of the injured or dying inhabitants. Uh, turns around after his ring senses and warns him about the danger of antimatter in the vicinity, and then we cut off to one of the uh, to the uh, Zudarian looking lantern, uh, female lantern, talking to some people who uh, were you know dealing with the aftermath of the spider pirates machinations. We cut back over to another pirate talking to uh, his name, uh, Commander Crack, uh, and this is Controller Moo. Now, if you've been reading any of the solicits or any of the press involving this new series, you know that Controller Moo is the big villain of this, of this new story, and he is a controller, though he looks a lot different. Um, <laughs> the height and, and the, the pallor of his skin and such all seem to be the same, but he has a different outfit, he carries himself differently, he seems to be more ripped than lanky, so on and so forth. Now, we cut back over to Tox, who's dead, and his ring uh, requires a new host. Um, Meanwhile, Chrysalon, the people on his ship that he's taking over to New Oa, have their hands on a luck dial, that goes in their favor. The control panel starts sparking uh, up where Chrysalon's at, and then we cut back over to Earth, where Hal is laying out uh, on the ground looking up at the sky from day until night. Uh, a woman shows up, calls him, asks him to help bring in the groceries. Uh, her name is Eve. He talks about how he's recently lost his job at a gas. She says, you were a test pilot. Um, that's a that's job deluxe, one in a million. But then you decide you'd rather be a traveling sales rep for a toy company. Next, you're selling insurance. Nah, you know, so there's some references there. Uh, again, we'll get into that in the recap or in the review. Uh, they talk a bit and they sleep together. They have sex under the stars. Uh, meanwhile, there's a crash out in the land uh, behind them. I guess Hal goes to investigate and is walking out that way. When he comes upon, uh, he, he, I don't know if he's just out wandering. I or think he's, he's just, out. He's just out wandering because he stops to eat a sandwich. Yeah, so I guess he's out wandering. Uh, when he comes upon this man who's speaking in this weird dialect, he as he's eating his sandwich, he says, "I couldn't help but notice the distinctive Fleming response, like a cat, when you encountered the guacamole in my burrito." Uh, reactions typical of the Hormonth Collective from Cluster World 3. So he really knows that this is an alien. He's set upon by three other beings. Uh, he's fighting them. 
these are a collective. It's all one being. So he just needs to whomever he's fighting. He just needs to find the brain. He hits them. They amalgamate into one. He says, well, how the hell did you wind up here? He sees smoke in the distance and he says, deja vu notwithstanding. So another hint towards the 60s. Um, two, two, he, in one, two in the same issue, really, because we had the we already had the one crash ship like a couple of pages ago that and ended up killing um, uh, Tox. True, but this one's even more of a reference, considering the fact that we see Hal peeking in on a lantern who's injured, yep. uh, who's Crystalon. Crystalon's trying to give some sort of a dying declaration and wish. He's telling him that, you know, the uh, deadliest killers in the galaxy he was transporting, if they reach population centers, the devastation will be terrible. Uh, he says, the only thing is I'm running on fumes and I can't recharge my ring. The Guardians took my power battery for repair and upgrade. Now, if you remember at the end of Greenland Turns, what had happened was, of course, Cyborg Superman had gotten into the network of uh, – the power batteries, and one of the last-minute things that was mentioned at the end of that issue was that the Guardians would be taking each Lantern's power battery sort of one at a time to get rid of this infection and then give them back. So that's why Hal's battery is presumably missing, in case this is your first issue of Green Lantern in a while. All right. So Chris Alon then hands him his and says, then use mine, Green Lantern. He charges up. He goes over to a city, not named which city, and he takes on these various uh, beings, one of which keeps growing bigger and bigger and bigger until his thigh bone snaps, which Hal blames on the square cube law. Essentially what that means, for those of you who don't know, is, is that it's, it's why you can't in real life have giant ants and stuff. You can't like – science is not going to be able to grow them artificially to massive sizes because as a thing gets bigger the internal structure is too weak to handle it it's it's physics it's all physics square cube law is physics just real world physics this isn't comic book physics other than the fact that there's a giant space gopher <clears throat> and uh so after this being collapses he faces the other two says you know who i am uh you may have this luck dial uh but it's a fake you've been running on ordinary luck and now it's out the Guardians report to Hal and summons him to New Oa. He does. He gets an update from one of the Guardians who's not named, and he brings him in. Look, they all look pretty much alike, unfortunately, based on at least they, the, the initial page. Right. They are all bald, uh, so we don't know. And they're not. this one is not named. So that's, New unis, though. New unis. Yeah. Yep, new uniforms. We do get him taken, Hal's taken by this guardian into the library where the Book of Oa is. He says, um, wherein we have read a prophecy, the guardian that is, during a recent exhaustive review of its contents, however, an analysis has revealed certain flaws, revisions, and amendments have taken place without our knowledge, which is to say the Book of Oa may no longer be trustworthy. We must rely upon that which is certain. We are guardians of the universe. We are the law. From the great attractor at the heart of things, we overlook all that is. We aspire to mercy, strength, and wisdom. We ask of our operatives the ability to withstand great fear and the strength to fight the death for fight to the death for, for what is understood to be right. We search the stars for individuals who embody the highest attributes and recruit them to our cause. From the lightless obsidian deeps of the super voids to the shattered source wall that separates our material universe from sublime and non-dual omni-awareness. We see pictured here. Rotlop fan. There you go. F-sharp bell. 
uh, in Lattice Dinner, Hush Profound, My Ears Catch a Evil Slightest Sound, Let Those Who Toll Out Evil's Nail Beware My Power, the F-Sharp Bell. Do I have that right? I think so. Awesome. <laughs> Lanternologist, folks, that's what we are. <laughs> you, you better hope you were right then. Because <laughs> I'm not the biggest Rotlop fan fan, so I <laughs> Uh, in our service, there are X-ray lanterns, radio lanterns, gamma lanterns, microwave lanterns. Our reach of our peacekeeping force extends across all scales and wavelengths, from the nanoscopic to the imme- un- unspeakably immense. We have chased demons, banished death, conquered fear. We have welcomed all sentient life into our core, but one of our lanterns seek to destroy us. A traitor within our ranks will shortly be uncovered. We already know who it will be. Now, do you understand? Let's you and I talk, shall we? Then over in Asteroid X, headquarters of Controller Moo's Black Stars, we see him walking up uh, with the luck dial. He says, the antimatter lantern is within our grasp. Commence vivisection or cosmic surgery. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't say that, but for lantern fans who've been reading for a while, cosmic surgery is a joke. <laughs> Extract the heart of the weaponeer and to be continued. I've got a lot to say about this. I'm going to let you take it from here just because I'm out of breath. <laughs> Fine. I, I, mean, I kind of like I kind of like the guardian speech even though the lord knows it is verbose. But but it is it is somewhat weird when he says a traitor within our ranks will shortly be uncovered. It's like we already know who it will be. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like we know what's going to happen, but it kind of it's like we know who the traitor is, but we got to let it play out. <laughs> it's like it, it's kind of weird. I mean, I under, I can understand on one level that, that the perspective on it, but it's kind of but it's kind of like and his name is Simon Bass. <laughs> <laughs> We could only hope. And Guy Gardner uh, pops up. I knew it. Told you. Uh. Okay. So my my overall thoughts. Let's see. My overall thoughts on this issue. Uh. It's kind of. It wasn't. It was not bad. It certainly was. It. Based on the fact that I was pretty neutral on this book going into it, I was pretty. I would say at least for, for issue one, it exceeded. My expectations, I would say. I think the artwork for Hal looks really good. Hal as Hal looks really good. Hal as Green Lantern is kind of sometimes he looks really good, sometimes he looks so-so. Uh, I don't. I'm not a fan overall of the huge redesign of the Guardians, but the art is the art make makes me not be upset by it. <laughs> uh, I certainly hope they draw them a little more individual. Like because of the fact that we know they're individual, like especially now since we only have a handful left. Gantt yeah, has a ponytail. Sade looks yeah, more Sade, feminine. Sade is bald. All the Templar Guardians look different. You know. Yeah. So I they they need to do that. Uh, new Oa really should be what new new Oa should it not, should it not be at least? <laughs> I don't know. I think at this point we're on like new 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 Oa. It could be. I, I thinking we. We know after after Hal and Kyle blew it up and Tom brought it back, so that should have been at the very least that was that at the very least that was new Oa. <laughs> yeah, and, and then so this, and, should, so this should have been new new Oa. At least. This, no, this is this, no this at the very least. Yeah, 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 for sure. 
Uh, so. But you were just, yeah, I, I don't know why they just... Well, I guess they call it new OA because unlike the... Because it's not like... I guess we have work under the assumption it's not like they pulled all the fragments back together, which is essentially what kind of happened with Tom and Tom brought it back together. But well, didn't 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 they destroy Oa during that Necron that first Necron story? No, it was <sighs> or during uh, one of the Tales of the Green Lantern Corps issues or annuals. The last time Oa was destroyed with was uh, Relic. No, 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 no. I'm talking. I'm talking way back when, like. During like oh you remember, way 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 you mean like the original Necron? Yes, the first appearance of Necron. I have, I have no idea. I think that was have. that was back in the Tales of the Green Lantern Corps. That's when you got the Alan Moore story about tigers. Uh, but then, you, how did they put it back together? So I I don't remember, but I'm pretty sure it happened. I'm pretty sure it happened once, like in that sort of late 70s, early 80s era, but I can't, don't ask me to, to, to pinpoint it. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Someone corrects me. I'm not going to look it up. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it happens somewhere, it, maybe if not in those specific issues, somewhere around that time frame. But, uh, but regardless. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to try to, uh, I'll try to look at that uh, while you're, when you start talking, I'll try to Okay. Some searching. Uh, I'm somewhat intrigued by controller Moo there or Mew. I'm kind of I'm kind of interested. The new the new lanterns they introduced in the beginning were fine. I think that's kind of cool. I don't know, mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with that. While this art style overall is not what I would prefer, it kind of does remind me of the art we got in Green Lanterns a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, so I so that makes I think the transition. A little easier. Um, it's okay. I think it's as an as an opener. It's okay. I think I'm more concerned with some of the comments of that Morrison kind of pointed out that how he's like he's he's it's kind of like he's like lowering the expectation from the perspective that he thinks that that he already kind of knows, which makes you nervous that in the first few issues people are going to say we don't think this is Hal Jordan, which automatically makes you nervous that you're, that you're not going to think this is Hal Jordan. <laughs> and, he's acting, and he's acting at a character because the writer himself is lowering expectations saying, "It's going. Mean, I know it's going to look like this, but follow it through. <laughs> that automatically <laughs> kind of gets your spider sense tingling that eh. I didn't get a huge amount of that in this issue. Uh, I didn't I didn't get a huge amount of that. There's a, you know, there's a certain element of Part of Hal that seems like Hal, and not just because he's banging this chick, but I just, but just Hal does a few Hal-like things in this. There are some things that they don't really explain. They don't really explain like the whole while well, Hal seemingly, if he's not on the outs with the Guardians, kind of like they told him, "Hey, go do your thing and don't come back." That makes no real sense based on where we really left them at the end of Green Lanterns entirely. That, that I mean, that seems that like we're missing something. Just like the reintroduction of New Oa. I mean. I, it's, it seems like there's a there's a jump. I mean, we know the Guardians were, had been had kind of prefaced that they had been working on that, and then then just to see it in all its glory and everything. Else, I I guess there's no way to there, there probably wasn't a better way to work around it. That's just kind of nitpicking based on it's a new book, so I guess you don't have. I do like the book of Oa. I do like that little library part. I thought that was nicely drawn. Mm-hmm. I thought that was that was cool visual. So. Yeah, I mean, I think for a first issue, it's it was it was good. It was it 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 certainly didn't meet my my you know my worst fears here about how this was going to be completely boring from the get go, and I was already kind of like 
ready to uh, just move beyond it. So, or lost interest immediately. So, and the other land, just the way they talk about all these, you know, all the different lanterns, microwave, and whatever the hell that actually is going to mean. Uh, that kind of was intriguing, and but yeah, so I guess those are my, those are all my initial thoughts. Okay, uh, so while you look up that stuff I was mentioning, uh, let me, I'll go into sort of my stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna start off with like a small bit about the writing, get and then into all the art, and then come back to the writing. So this issue I had to read multiple times. Why? Because it's a Grant Morrison book. Now this is not one of those times when having to read a Grant Morrison book multiple times is a bad thing. This is just more, I was confused about where things were happening within a certain timeline of events. Um, I, I mean, there was, there was no, obviously, narrative bubbles showing you, you know, you know earlier or different areas of sectors or, or, or whatever. Uh, in addition, uh, there was no artistic cues. You know how, like, if something's a flashback, it's going to be, you know, uh, a li- sometimes it's a, a lighter tone or lighter colors or, or something like that, more cloudy looking, whatever that may be. Um, so I had to read it a little bit. And and that also comes uh, a bit from the art style. You know, I'm so overwhelmed with this, this sheer level of detail and the zaniness of some of the designs of these characters that I'm just like, OK, the minute you go to page page two, because you get that big splash first, of course, of the Guardians. But page two, you're assaulted with this zaniness, and you're just like, well, <laughs> visually, I know I'm reading a Grant Morrison book, even <laughs> even though I haven't yet read enough <laughs> enough of the enough enough of the enough of the panels to to even <laughs> establish a, a Grant Morrison tone. Uh, but you know, it's it's definitely a Grant Morrison book. Now, when people are talking about, uh, you know. How Grant Morrison is a Grant Morrison book going to be? You know, there there are plenty of examples out there of just of, of Grant going off the deep end, and people are just now maybe from Grant perspective, it's a brilliant story, but other people are just not up to his level of in depth thinking, and they just went, okay, you, you were too Morrison on this latest Morrison book. Um, for those of you who have been reading comics for a long time or Grant Morrison books for a long time, you know what I'm talking about. If this is your first experience, just trust me. There are times when Morrison does his thing, and it's just at such a high concept level for him that it doesn't really translate that way for the rest of us. Um, Mark, can you think of any good examples? Would Final Crisis be a, a, a goodish example of that? Final Crisis would be... The, a very good example, if, but I, and here's the asterisk on this. Assuming you buy into that argument, which is, which I kind of only partially accept, and I don't accept it for Final Crisis specifically, that the idea that oh, if if you're not getting this story or it doesn't appeal to you, again, it's because you're it's the story is too deep for you, and or you're not deep enough or smart enough to get it. I kind of reject that. That's that's a that is, ultimately that. There's a there's a time and a place that might be true, but in something I think like Final Crisis is that that was a failure on the writer's part. If it doesn't resonate in more and more, and a huge chunk of people don't either get the story, don't care about the story, or it's confusing to them, that means you're not doing your job well enough to make to to make it clear. You can't always say it's oh went over it went over your head. You know you're just the story is not for you if it went over your head. I mean Final Crisis was a, was crap. I mean, my opinion. I mean, like they introduced that they introduced a character like in the final issue that if you hadn't been reading about the Superman crossover, you had no idea who he was. 
I mean, what the hell was that? <laughs> what the hell was that? That's like that's like reading a murder mystery and the the ultimate example of reading like a murder mystery where you're trying to figure out who who done it and the guy and you, and you never can because the, the character they introduce on page like 275 of, of a 280 page book is is that's when the character who did it is introduced. <laughs> like, I was like, you can't. So, but yes, I think people go to Final Crisis and point that and point that out. And right. Saying that, but but again. I, I kind of just reject specifically in that story, but the Morrison oh, gotcha. fans, the Morrison supporters would you will would take that tack that yes that's that's that is his quote unquote you know his when it doesn't work that's the reason why but you know and and this is I I feel like this is a good middle ground and I'll get back to that because I want to touch on the art here now Liam Sharp uh, his artwork again at the very beginning of this episode I said my problems with this art. I hesitate to even call problems because it's not a matter of bad art. It's a matter of art that's not in my wheelhouse and style. Now, I like this art when I try to. And again, that's that's knowing what I just said. To me, this art sort of reminds me of uh, – was it Seth Fisher who did uh, Will World? Green Lantern, Will World. Oh, yes, Will World. Somebody posted a picture about that. I said, what, what, what did? I'm trying to remember where I read that. There was some kind of comparison being made to Will World. Yes, which it's, have, it's, have it's not exactly. Have we, have we ever done that? Uh, I don't know for sure. I think, I think so. They did. I we think did, we didn't, but we we didn't. I think Jim and Dan might have in the early era of Lantern Cast. I think you're right, but I can't remember 100 percent for certain at this time. But anyways. Uh, it reminds me of Will World, but not as crazy as Seth Fisher's art was in that story. But it, 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 it's got some notes there to it where, it, you know, obviously the comparison in, in my mind made that link. So it's close enough. Now, again, not my particular style, but it's not so far away from my style that I can put it out and go, I, I, you know what, I just got to put this book down. The art isn't doing it for me at all. Therefore, I cannot soak up this, this, this comic issue. I was able to push past it. I was able to push that, those thoughts down and just understand, okay, this, this is, may not be my style, but it's, it's doable. Let's read this art. Uh, let's, let's read this story. All right, let's read it again. Make sure we understood the Morrison-ness of it all, you know, so on and so forth. Now, this art also reminds me while I'm not a fan of necessarily the craziness that happens in Will World with Seth Fisher, here comes – and Liam, if you're listening, because he's been responding uh, at least today to a lot of tweets about this first issue. So if we – when we announce – drop this issue, this episode on Friday, and if he listens to it Friday or over the weekend, if he happens to listen to it, Liam, I'm going to give you a compliment. This also reminds me of Steve Rude. Now, here – in my hands, you probably heard that. Definitely heard that. That I was gonna, I was gonna that. say keep it. I was gonna say keep it clean before you sort of drop making noise. <laughs> <laughs> the, those those uh, those book slaps you heard were various dark horse omnibus issues or issues collections of the original Nexus series. Longtime listeners of the show know I love Nexus. And part of the reason I love Nexus is because I had a handful of issues as a kid. One of them was a Nexus Magnus the Robot Fighter crossover issue that got me into Nexus. And as a result, I picked up 
these amazing uh, Dark Horse Omnibus editions. Uh, Steve Rude is a fantastic artist. He's very talented. Nobody can ever, 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 ever doubt Steve Rude's artistic ability and artistic talent. But when you read Nexus, there, there are moments when you're looking at the – the Horatio art and him being a hero and, and doing his thing. And then you get to a scene happening on the planet surface with all the inhabitants and all the various alien styles and the weird creature designs and the background character faces and stuff. And you're like, hold on a sec. I was feeling this vibe. And all of a sudden the art still looks the same, but I'm in this crazy place. I don't really understand. That's kind of what happened with me here in this issue as well. The art may not be particularly to my style, but there are moments where I feel like I'm getting used to it. And then suddenly we get thrown back into this weird weirdness and I'm just like, everything looks the same, but I have no idea what's happening. Awesome. Now, the reason I mention that is because it's character design. They, they went all at both both Morrison from a writing scripting, you know, which characters I choose to use, invent, so on and so forth. Came out with these weird creatures, and Liam delivers on the looks. So, take what you want out of that, Liam, if you're listening. <laughs> but uh, you, you got the whole gambit there, from weird Seth Fisher on Will World to you remind me of Steve Rude. <laughs> so, how about that? Now, back to the writing. We mentioned when we were talking about the cover, the callback to the 60s. Eve is a romantic interest of Hal Jordan from classic issues. The fact that he was a toy salesman, an insurance man, so on and so forth. All references to past stories uh, and way, way, way long ago stories. I've been saying for quite a long time it's time to bring Hal Jordan back down to earth because I'm done with the space stories. I'm done with, you know, it, it, the, the, the history of Green Lantern is cyclical. There are eras where we throw them out into space and we leave them out in space. Then people get sick of it. And their idea to revamp and bring and bring readers back on is to change the creative team. The first thing this new creative team does is bring Hal back down to Earth. He deals with Earth stuff, Earth threats, works with the JLA, JLI, JLE, <laughs> uh, whatever. Uh, and then that gets boring for a little bit. So they throw him back out into space again. So it's cyclical. Things work like that. They throw him out into space. Everybody gets interest again. They bring him back down. They throw him out of space. They bring him back down. We look at the history of Green Lantern. It happens all the time. However, while I think it's time and still do, it's time to bring Hal back down to Earth. Part of my reason for not being satisfied with the space stories we've gotten so far is and this is I, I mean this I mean this in a nice way I do it's 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 going to sound like a criticism and and be and because of what what I'm saying it is a criticism but I don't mean it rudely the creators who have been working with the Green Lantern stuff as of late and I'm talking you know even Jeff Johns to some 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 extent so don't think I'm just singling out the people who came on after Johns I think. When it comes to the planets, the creatures, the uh, the threats that they've been using, and again, including Johns, they've been thinking a bit too myopically. 
they've been thinking about these aliens and these planets in the DC cosmic universe that we already know about very intimately. You know, if you know, if we were to say, you know, name ten planets in in DC cosmic, and you go, you know, Rand, Thanagar, you know, Korgar, you know, Zamoran, you know, whatever these planets are that you name, Krypton, Daxum, you know, all these planets. They've used a lot of these in these stories as of late. Grant, maybe Grant, Grant Morrison, maybe Morrison at times, but you cannot deny Morrison knows a lot and loves a lot about obscure DC shit. Grant Morrison knows a lot about like multiverse stuff and he has an obsession with it. But based on this one issue, you can very much tell that he loves a lot of the cosmic stuff, the cosmic obscure stuff. He comes up with these, some of these new lanterns. He uses chrysalon. He creates this new, this new lantern fluzel. Now, we're going to get into, when we get into feedback, we're going to talk about an article that mentions a future issue. And yes, there already is a, 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 uh, a virus microscopic lantern named Liesel Pond. That is still a thing. Grant knows that, just FYI. So if any of you were reading this and going, why did they, why did he bother creating Fluzel? There was already Liesel. There's a, just look at the name. <laughs> it's very clear. Grant knows he's just doing these things as an homage. So this, this story and this issue may be all over the place both writing and artistically, but it's, it, it, it does so well what a first issue should do, which is set a tone. I may not have walked, put this issue down after reading it the second or third time and gone, this issue was amazing, but I set this issue down going, okay. I, I may not know precisely what to expect in issue two, three, four, but I know what I'm looking for. I know the tone that he, that, that is being set. I know where we're going with this tonally. I know what Grant is trying to do. I know he's trying to expand this, this, I would not be surprised if this becomes the DC cosmic book. Now, Green Lantern is and should always be the cornerstone of DC Cosmic, considering he's one of their top-selling characters, and he's a cosmic character. So, realistically, he should be the cornerstone of a DC Cosmic line. But if every other issue and title within the DC lineup right now just focuses on Earth and local stuff, and this is the only cosmic title, my God, are you getting a ton of new information and cool space stuff happening in here. And he's not thinking myopically. And I really like that. Those are good points. I think, yeah, I, I tend to agree. Again, I don't want to put the cart before the horse because we don't... We don't necessarily know. It was a really good first issue, but again, we have to. To me, I I'm still cautiously optimistic, or based on the premise of the book, the space, the procedural and you know, police procedural in space can still go very 
very off the rails depending how it's done. <laughs> so it could be really, really friggin' boring. I I know they're try I know because at least there's at least which is not surprising that he's smart enough to kind of give us an on the surface kind of stuff or stuff we're dealing with, you know, with the the actual criminals and the big picture stuff that is what's lurking behind and what's coming down the pike. So I think I think that w- works in favor of what he wants to do. But again, I I was pleasantly surprised, but you know, all, my fears haven't all been my demons haven't all been exercised regarding my concerns <laughs> about this book. Uh, yeah, Fluzel Flem, that was his name. I'm sorry, I was just scrolling through. Uh, oh, and they do mention her name, Trilla True. T R I L L A. Oh, you're right. T-R-U. I, you're right. They, they do. I, they do mention that afterwards. That's another reason why it's like she seems to be a, an a offshoot of a Zadarian because yes, they do. They do mention her name. Right. Uh, again, the the, you know, a lot of this spacey stuff. Uh, uh, you know, the the space backgrounds and the designs and stuff. You know, it reminds me of a, a lot of. Um, the Jim Starlin Warlock right. sort of yeah, space that's stuff, that's true. Uh, maybe crossed with some Kirby esque, you know, like not not necessarily that the designs and the art style itself is Kirby, but you know when Kirby goes into space, he just like, you know what? It's alien and it's crazy. It's gonna have a shit ton of detail, and here we go. Hold on to your butts. I'm just gonna have fun in this background here. That in that way, it reminds me of Kirby. So some some sort of Kirby space, maybe some fourth world, you know, tech, you know, sort of weird designs in the background, but with the style of sort of like a the the, the Jim Starlin Warlock era stuff. So another another point to you, Liam. Take it take it as you take the, that that uh, verbiage as you as you see fit. Um, do we want to get some feedback, or do we want to point out any uh, really specific stuff in this issue? Uh, I don't know what in particular, I mean, what kind of, we've talked about a lot of different things in this book, so I'm not sure what specific things that you're talking. Well, um, I saw on Twitter, it might have been in a, because Jesse uh, was tweeting his thoughts before he sent us his email, and uh, Liam was actually responding to some of what Jesse said. Uh, it might have been Jesse, it might have been another tweet I saw, but someone was mentioning that panel uh, where it talks about uh, the fact that there are microwave lanterns and x-ray lanterns and so on and so forth, and worrying that we're expanding even more on this idea of the emotional spectrum and there are different types of lanterns representing different things. I want to clarify a bit, and I'm sure someone out there will correct me if I'm wrong, but the way I, I read this is they're referring to the X-ray, the radio, the gamma, the microwave lanterns as beings made of that stuff within the Green Lantern core, the same way, way uh, Fleasel is a, a, a virus and the same way Mogo is a planet. These are beings that you don't think of on just a, uh, you know, a carbon-based life form level like you or I are. Yeah, that's how I took it. Okay, cool. Especially based on the following up, the follow-up line about the reach of our peacekeeping force extends across all scales and wavelengths. Right. So it basically means that yes, the, the beings that the beings that exist on those different levels and on those different planes, as, as long as they are sentient life forms, and 
They're equal opportunities, the Guardians. <laughs> Come on down! All right, so do we want to get into some feedback now? Might as well. Awesome, because I sent out a call yesterday and today, several different times, to people telling you that we are covering this the day it comes out. So get your emails, thoughts in ASAP, and you guys delivered. As of this particular moment, when we're going to read all of these, we've got five different emails to read from you guys, and we really appreciate it. A lot of names we, we haven't heard before, some that we have. So uh, which one do we want to get into first? We might as well go in order, right? So you want, uh, do you want me to do Shane's? Yeah, sure. So Shane, first up, we, we have heard from Shane before. So Shane sent us one. Uh, he was the first one to send us an email. So go for it. Alrighty. So Shane says, this first issue imme- immediately feels much more like old school Green Lantern than anything we've seen in years. Grant Morrison mines Hal's Silver Age stories for ideas. And I have to appreciate those omnibus volumes of Silver Age Green Lantern sitting on my bookshelf that have allowed me to read about Hal's various careers that Morrison references and about his girlfriend Eve. This is using continuity in probably the best way to define who Hal is and why he behaves as he does. Here's hoping the series can keep this level of quality with the story and art. I really enjoyed the issue. The Lantern Cast remains my favorite podcast. Keep up the good work. Yes, that was Shane, not just me saying that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I really liked, uh, you know, it, we, we echo, we, we talked a little bit about each of the points he mentions. I like that he picks up on it too. Uh, one of the things he says in here that I wanted to point out is he says, uh, using continuity and probably the best way to define who Hal is and why he behaves as he does. You mentioned early, uh, earlier on in, in your comments about how uh, verbose and, and uh, detailed and drawn out sort of, uh, in some ways, this guardian sort of monologue about who the core is and what their their goals are is. Um, I, I, I agree with you. This is it, it's a lot of page time to do this, but I also like that moment because this is the first time Grant Morrison has really played in this world. True. So getting th- this while this may be a lengthy moment. This is Grant Morrison written dialogue. So while this is a guardian, a character in story talking, this is clearly how Morrison views the Green Lantern Corps. So this gives us a good encapsulation of, okay, Grant Morrison has never written Green Lantern like this before. How does he view what the Corps is about and everything? If you want to know how Grant Morrison feels about the core, about what their role is and how they should be portrayed, there your page is right there. And plus, it's a jumping on point. This still is a first issue. And a lot of and a lot of fans of Morrison who may not have read Green Lantern before or a lot of Green Lantern fans who haven't been up to snuff who know the basics. But this is this is also a, a hit the ground running kind of first issue. And, you know, a lot of I think. Some criticism from Morrison sometimes has been like, you know, it's it's not always user friendly, especially right. like the first issue that it's not. If you don't really know what the hell came before or what he was doing in a previous book, that hitting you know that reading the first issue of wherever he's on now might you know make you might make you scratch your head. That for and this kind of deals with it and kind of tries to not give you that. And I think for the most part, it kind of does succeed. You know, we look at it through a different prism because of the fact that obviously. We read pretty much every 
regular Green Lantern book these days, and 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 even some of the stuff that's not that's Green Lantern related that isn't in a, a true Green Lantern book. So we look at it differently. But for a lot of people who are who are interested in reading this book because it's a Grant Morrison Green Lantern book, that it makes sense that you give a little a, you give more background and bring people up to snuff as much as you can without so it is a little wordy it takes up a lot of pages but it's interesting stuff i don't think i don't think it's bad right so so i think i think it does it does serve a purpose i just commented on it because it struck me as something that when i when you read it it just seems like okay and and plus other people have touched upon aspects of everything that he said there so it it is certainly designed as a conversation piece too something to make people think about maybe maybe sometimes read into it a little bit more than maybe Morrison maybe intended or, or wanted you to, but so right. yeah. <clears throat> All right. Anything else about uh, Shane's email? Well, we're glad you were your favorite, Shane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And thanks for writing. We were. I mean, hey, I I know that not every like for instance, Laurel. Laurel's a longtime listener of ours. Likes to send us messages every now and then. She said that she couldn't uh, get her issue in time to leave us feedback for this issue. We appreciate that, guys. I, I, I wasn't expecting everybody to be able to get the issue day one and give us commentary day one. I just wanted a chance for those who had to give us some comments so that we Mark and I's comments aren't in a vacuum on this on this issue that a lot of people are looking forward to. If you weren't able to get in your comments for this episode, send it in anyways. We will read them in upcoming episodes when we get to our, our listener feedback section. So, yes, please. By all means, if you didn't send them in, send them in uh, when you can. Uh, so Ryan, Ryan sends an issue, uh, an email, a longtime listener of ours as well. Uh, he sends us a bit of a lengthy email. I'll read it all here. He says, I enjoy the first issue of GL, even though it did have its ups and downs. Here's what I thought about the first issue. Some of the not so good. First and foremost, I got to say the art is not my style. The faces all seem bland and the stances seem awkward. The one image I did enjoy was near the end after Hal defeated that gerbil thing. Then the next page on the right was just Hal flying up. That's great looking for me. It also seems to be some of the main complaints on other reviews. Hopefully it will improve. While a majority of the writing was fine, the story at the beginning really had me rolling my eyes. And to start off with something like that made it tough to get back into. Stuff like, you'll never catch me, copper. Then the noises on the next page just seemed a little corny. It got better when Hal came in, but it was a rough start. Also, I guess Tox getting his finger cut off really didn't bother him, and he could still make constructs? Seemed strange. It was good to see the GL uh, virus character back, though. And the good. I like the mystery of it all and what it set up. It mentions the source wall, the four new lantern types on top of the ultraviolet lantern. The names are weird, but it's okay, I guess. I don't see why they are making up new core when people can't seemingly go back to the seven core and expand on that. Why the Book of Oa changed, and does it matter really? It's just stories. I understand wanting to tell an accurate history, but I don't see how it affects the future. Who the traitor is, and the biggest part was the end. It was somewhat confusing, so hopefully you can maybe enlighten me and some things I may have missed. The antimatter lantern that looks like Hal wears yellow and apparently is a weaponer. Not sure if that is all new or what. Overall, the story and its potential has me intrigued, and I am glad to see a new twist. 
I just really hope we get more GL books. One a month is a bummer, and here's hoping no uh, no one delays, uh, no more delays with Morrison. Looking forward to your review. Keep up the good work. <clears throat> Any thoughts on that? Well, I'll start with the last part first. Uh, based on what we hear, we shouldn't have any delays to Morrison since he's supposed to be already in writing issue 10. <laughs> and uh, according to Liam's tweets today, he's working on issue 5. Yeah, so, so. If, there's go- if there's going to be delays on this book, it's probably not going to be until after the first year. <laughs> uh, so, and, and it, so, I, so that's the thing. I mean, you, you probably have... I hate to take the shot, but you probably would have much more of a concern if it was Jeff Johns writing this book <laughs> when it comes to delays. And, 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 Doomsday and, Clock. Yeah, even though at least Doomsday Clock finally had Dr. Manhattan show up in the last issue. That was, I think, the best issue of the book so far. But Jesus Christ, yeah, it started a year ago. It started a year ago this month, and we're just barely over, what, halfway through it. I mean, it's like, come on. Uh, but, but soapbox over. Uh, yeah, I think – I'm assuming we don't. We're not supposed to know who this, who the antimatter lantern is. Uh, he looks was, like yellow candle somehow. It could be, and I and I think it's supposed to be. I think they refer they refer to him as a weaponeer because he has a weapon, not because he's a weaponer of court, right? Is that the way you took it? Well, it? yes, uh, they they do say weaponeer, uh, uh, Orion, not not weaponer, um, but he is an antimatter lantern. We're going to have to assume he's from Quard. I do like this idea that there is an antimatter lantern because of the whole um, uh, relationship that Quard and Oa have. Oa and Quard are sister planets. You know, they both the, their moons both birth the Monitor and Anti-Monitor respectively. Whereas Oa birthed the Core, the Manhunters. And, you know, Quard birthed the Weaponers, and you know, there's this whole sort of yeah, inverse, um, inverse idea between the two, and they were closely related, although they were separated by dimensions. So I like the idea of there being a lantern of antimatter energy. So I, 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 as much as it is adding yet another lantern idea uh, to to this mythos. This is one that sort of makes sense to me based in the confines of what we already know. And the fact that this is a Grant Morrison book and he loves the multiverse and he loves the, the cosmic stuff and all of that. It, it, it doesn't seem like a stretch at all for if he were to create a lantern, an antimatter lantern makes sense. Yeah, I think so. <clears throat> for sure. Um he mentions a lot of what we talked about. Uh, you know, he says I got, the art is not his style. Um, so I, you know, I, I agree with that. But I, I, I was able to appreciate it for what he, what it was. He does say um, the four new lantern types on top of the ultraviolet lantern. Uh, the names are weird, but that's okay, I guess. I think he's referring to what I was talking about earlier: the, the X-ray and all the other. Uh, microwave ones uh ryan again those those aren't uh new lantern cores those are just types of uh sentient life forms within the universe that have been recruited within the green lantern core the same way there is a virus lantern and a planet lantern there's a microwave energy lantern and so on and so forth um so thank you again thanks ryan uh you're always reaching out to us and, and giving us content and i really appreciate it uh do you want to go the finger thing was was interesting. It, it, Didn't it they seemed, explain it? Like, is it still is it still part of his physiology? And he, 
Yeah, that's how kind of I, I interpreted that, even though – because he made some comment like, oh, like that was my favorite finger or something. But he didn't really seem particularly phased as in, in serious pain that it was removed. And it, and he kept hovering near him. So maybe – yes, maybe he, honestly he, his physiology is different. So he has a different relationship with with his part, body parts, even if they get severed. So there's still some kind of connection to it in some weird way. Uh, so that means he can still wield the ring because it's he still feel has that connection to you know his brain basically still has it's still hardwired somehow into the part of the body that has the ring on it. It was it was kind of weird. Uh, I kind I actually kind of did like him. It's it's another. I would have been really interesting to get to get to know him a little bit more. Uh, to so too bad they killed him off so quick. Right. Um, but uh, so Jared's. Yeah, Jared. New, Jared new, uh, is brand new. New to us, yeah. Yes. So Jared says, <clears throat> excuse me, so I'm a bit of a lapsed reader on the Green Lantern side of things. I lost track of Hal and Pal shortly after the whole Kyle and that two arc, which really isn't that that long ago. Uh, assuming that he's, well, yeah, he's talking about, uh, I think, what happened in the uh, Menditti book then. Right. And, dro- and dropped Green Lantern shortly after Humphreys left. Yeah, that was the peak. <laughs> that was the peak of that book, the Humphreys run. But when I heard one of my favorite writers and new favorite artists was taking on the lead book, slash only book, as we know it to be right now, I had to get back in. Overall, I have to say I was not disappointed. I think I need to go back and reread some of the first half to make sure I get it. Morrison's twisting of the language for otherworldly creatures can trip me up on my first read. Everything after that was smooth sailing. Morrison gets Hal Jordan and shows off what makes him a cool and compelling character, and the setup for the greater mystery has me hooked. The art was also straight-up gorgeous and feels completely different from the other big books, other uh, big two books in a good way, reminding me a lot of 2000 AD and heavy metal magazines in the best possible ways. So overall, I'm definitely sold on this book and looking forward to seeing where Morrison takes Hal next. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, he, he definitely hit it right on the head, you know. Morrison's twisting of the language for otherworldly creatures. I mean, again, yet another thing Morrison likes to do um, is play with some of that some of that language and some of the the vernacular of various alien creatures and stuff. So he, I'm glad I'm not the only one who's like, I think I need to read this a couple of times to make sure it really sunk in. <laughs> I think that's probably fair. Uh, even, even if rereading it means you wait till you get issue two and you read them one and two back to get back to yeah. back. Um, I, I personally, I don't have a, a, a strong connection to 2080 or the heavy metal magazines. Do you, have you read any of those or I, have some I, experience with them? Very little, I think, with heavy metal, but not really 2000 AD. Is that echo? Is that ringing true for your personal experience? I, think, I, I get where he's going with it. I think that's. I think that it's. It's probably true. It may. It may. I think. Yeah. I, now that I really, in my mind, I think when I think of heavy metal and the style on that book, I, I can definitely see uh, some callbacks or or commonality in Sharp's art. So yeah, I mean, it's it's art that could grow on you. I mean, I think that's probably ideally it would be art that would grow on both of us, even though it's not our particular perfect, perfect cup of tea based on what we our preference. But it it's got potential. So hmm. I think that first first issue cleared the hurdle. You know, it cleared it cleared the initial hurdle. So let's see. Overall, I'm not talking just about the art. I just mean overall. 
for me. So I think. Fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Jesse's email, he wrote us a lengthy one. So what I'm going to do, if it's okay with you, is oh. I'm going to end after uh, the what I liked section, and then we can comment on that, and then I'll finish out the rest of it. And we can comment again. He says, uh, hey, Chad and Mark, thanks for covering my questions about Cullen Bunn's plans for the Lost Army in Sinestro. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> Told you we'd that, get to it. We weren't blowing you off. It was just a matter of time. <laughs> that was uh, that was actually a, a, a well-received uh, uh, episode, I think. I, I even got a message. I don't know if you got one. I got a message from Jim just being like, fantastic idea for an episode. <laughs> so... Uh, you know, there, there you go. Well, that, Thanks, that was the issue where we did the script too, right? We did the screenplay. Yes. Uh, do you remember what episode number that was? For if anybody curious, uh, uh, we did we did a what might have been episode, basically in which we covered the original script for the Green Lantern movie, as well as the, uh, Cullen Bunn's plans for his uh, Lost Army and Sinestro series. Uh, well tangentially his Sinestro series if he wasn't booted off the book and then they did the whole Edge of Oblivion thing. 328. 328. Episode, episode 328 if you want to listen to that. Uh, he goes on, I, he says, I think it would have been much better than what we ended up with. Uh, I wonder who pulled the plug on his story ideas, editorial, or venditti. From talking to Robert at our Comic-Con at the beginning of Bun Sinestro 1, they had planned out the ending together, so I'm more suspicious of editorial. You know, based on history, I would tend to agree personally. <clears throat> I would say it's pretty clear it's editorial because we know yeah. actually, even though they may have been planning out things together, it seemed like <clears throat> Bun's at that point, Bun's the direction of Bun's book was really steering the Green Lantern books overall. So right. I would say that's def- I would say definitely that was that was editorial. And plus, from talking to Robert, we know a lot of different things were were done because of editorial and things things right. he couldn't do, things he. You know, basically, his hands were tied on a few things regarding editorial, so there's no reason to think that kind of that change wasn't, you know, that was editorials. <coughs> he says, I guess it's possible that Venditti changed his mind about the direction of the overall Green Lantern universe. Cullen's departure from DC seemed rather abrupt, so I wonder if he got tired of editorial jerking him around and said, to hell with this shit, I'm going to Marvel. Now, regarding my thoughts on Green Lantern number one. The Green Lantern number one. We should we should remember that. Yes. Uh, as I said in my tweet, I thought it was good but not great overall. Rash uh, rate rating. Yeah. Yeah. Rating uh, three out of five. <clears throat> Keep reading for more details. Will do. Morrison is always <laughs> thanks. Thanks for the tip. <laughs> Morrison is always a bit hit or miss for me. Some of Multiversity was really good, but other parts were just really weird. There's another great example, multiversity. I'm still confused by Final Crisis after reading it two or three times. What little I've read of uh, his JLA run has been really good. That is a run I personally haven't read, but it is on my bucket list to read, uh, especially you know because he had a lot of Kyle Rayner stuff in there. I think I think the JLA run was pretty good from what I remember. Right. He says uh, what I liked, the art. Uh, was in general really good and matched the vibe of the book. But I love Liam Sharp's Aliens. His drawing of Rotlop Fan was gorgeous. I like the overall vibe of the story so far. The characterization reminds me somewhat of the hard-traveling heroes and also the later 80s stories. I'm very interested to see where they are going with the Black Stars and their relationship, if any, to the recently revived Dark Stars. 
Maxim Tox's floating severed finger. <laughs> the callbacks to GL history and the coming soon image indicating there that there will be much multiversal wackativity in the future. We did not talk about that. No, I realized I kind of <clears throat> did realize that too once. Uh... When I was flipping through the book after we did the wrap up, that it's like, yeah, we didn't touch upon that. No, which is kind of common. We, we we've seen this quite often in Green Lantern books, <laughs> like the, the the coming soon double splash page. Uh, uh, so we see a busted lantern. Uh, we see Hal uh, standing beside Ollie. Uh, we see some uh, female uh, alien beings. One of looks looks to be a Durlin. Perhaps I think so. Mm-hmm. And the one that uh, he is talking about here are the various lanterns from across the multiverse, including Green Lantern Bruce Wayne. And then there's a God, what? Don't I can't remember which numbers are what universe anymore. Oh God! So don't yeah. even ask me. But then there's that lantern that looks like a cross between. The Demon Etrigan and Despero, like it, yep. I, th- this is the lantern from the universe where all the uh, the the JLA and the heroes are based in magic. It's like it's the magic universe where everything is based more in magic, and it's a much more uh, magic heavy universe. So I'm pretty. I think it's like if the Demon was a Green Lantern, but the Green Lantern was a more magical-based power set somehow. Not quite Alan Scott. I don't know. Um, but suffice it to say, a ton of multiverse lanterns. <laughs> yes. Uh, what do you think of that, man? I don't have a whole lot of, of backstory on, I think, a lot of the multiverse lanterns like that. So I, I'm... I'm open to it. I'm I'm curious about it. I I was relative. The thing that's interesting about this coming soon is that you get you just get basically you just get images. You know, you don't get. It's not as like when we got it in the Venditti book, which of course like two like for the next like six ep, six storylines they all everything we got it all played out like back to back to back to back, but. In the, in the Humphreys book too, I think we got something like that. That I I think this is a lot more open ended. So I'm kind of I kind of I kind of like that. Uh, one thing, oh, I didn't mention about this. This is kind of related to the cover of the original book. I don't I don't really like the 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 new Green Lantern font at all. Hmm. I'm not a fan. I know they're probably doing it again to differentiate this from previous Green Lantern books, even though we know they've been different Green Lantern fonts. So I guess on that level. Fonts slash logos, so I guess it's not really shocking that there's a new one, and that Morrison and/or would want a new one, or maybe DC would like him to have a new one. It's not really doing it for me. With I don't like the I don't like the the Green Lantern font itself. Uh, for those two words, it's not. It's so it's such a drastic change from what we're used to, and even from the Kyle font and all that stuff. That I it's it's going to take some time for me to get used to it. You know what it reminds me of? Uh, I know it's not exactly uh, like this. It's a lot more blocky. It reminds me of the original Green Lantern um, uh, title uh, art, uh, logo art, the way that uh, it was in the 60s. Remember where it had that sort of fire look at the top? 
Yes. Yeah. It, 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 it looks similar. like that. It looks similar to that minus the fire and just obviously a bit more blocked out. Uh, so again, that's, 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 I mean, whether it's intentional or not, that's another sort of callback to the sixties. <clears throat> he, uh, he mentions the black stars. Um, uh, I don't, I don't have any, uh, personal connection there, but he does mention, uh, the characterization reminds me similar to the hard traveling heroes in the later eighties stories. Um, for those of you new to the show, I do a spinoff all about the green lantern, green arrow stuff. Uh, I'm not going to go into it. This isn't a show all about hyping our other stuff, uh, just to capitalize on any new listeners. But the reason I, 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 I can see what he's saying there, but I real as much as this captures all of these '60s references, I really do agree with him when he says the '80s. Yes, to read the volume three, like the the relaunch. Right. Yeah. But so that was more like the that was more the '90s then, really technically. I think. Uh, well, I mean. Yeah, but you still had the Hal Jordan stuff right before the title went into Green Lantern Core, before it turned into Green Lantern Core in yeah, like the two hundreds. That, 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 that's true. There is, there is. That's true. <coughs> so I'm thinking, I'm, I'm thinking yeah. more the uh, the what you call it, uh, Gerard Jones. Right, the stuff that that led into eventually. The, I mean, the numbering went from one to fifty, and that's that's Emerald Twilight. So. I, I just, I, you know, I, the, the 80s stuff, uh, you know, that era, uh, that I, I see what he says there. As much as this references the 60s and calls back to a lot of that stuff, I, 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 I don't know what it is. I couldn't point it out specifically for the life of me, but I, I agree with him there about the 80s feel. <clears throat> uh, anything else before I go into the rest of it? No, I think I think we're good. Okay, uh, he says what I didn't like. How's back to being a one night stand slash love him and leave him kind of guy? I really was hoping he would be back with Carol, as both Johns and Venditti implied at the end of their runs. I'm not crazy about how buff Hal's upper body is drawn by Liam Sharp compared to his narrow waist. The lantern who looks like a Zudarian making chicken noises. Hal having to charge his ring. It's not consistent with him forming it out of his own willpower during Venditti's run. Maybe the Guardians made him surrender that one. Another traitor in our midst storyline. To me, that's been overdone in the last few years. Questions I have. X-ray, radio, gamma, and microwave lanterns. Are are they really going to expand the the spectrum more? Is that yellow lantern from Bizarre World that the controller is uh, – is that the le- yellow lantern from Bizarre uh, World that the controller is operating on, or is it a new one later? Jesse. Uh, we definitely addressed the X-ray, radio, gamma, microwave lanterns things a couple of times. Uh, again, not a new spectrum expansion, just new types of being that are being referenced. Uh, the yellow lantern from Bizarre World, that's Yellow Candle, who was also a part – I think briefly, although in the background, uh, one of the members of the Sinestro Corps during the Sinestro Corps War. Um, but we don't know who that is. There's no definitive answer out there on who that is. Could it be Yellow Candle? Could it be a, or a version or interpretation of Yellow Candle? Uh, it's possible, but it is the antimatter lantern. So we don't know. What about uh, the stuff he didn't like? I, I I know I was you know pretty hyped up on this issue uh, compared to you. So, do you agree with some of the the criticisms he has has here? 
Um, almost everything that he mentioned, a lot, not everything, but a chunk of what he, meant, what he mentioned, I would say I thought about too. We already talked about the how having the charges ring thing at the end of Green Lanterns. You know how that was a big plot point. I don't think there's any reason to believe he doesn't have the same ring that he had uh, before this book started. Uh, at the moment, there's no reason to think that that would kind of be that would kind of be weird to just do that, and we especially not to tell us that. Uh, I because that was we'll find that out. I another again another traitor in our mid storyline. Yeah, that was a little just that's concerned. We literally just did that in the last story. That that I think is fair. I think that's a fair criticism. Uh, the Carol stuff, it is it, it is weird. Again, when you think about it, we've had two straight long, long runs on Green Lantern and with a short-term Hal and Carol reunion and a long-term Hal and Carol reunion. And then in this book, again, it doesn't even get mentioned and he's screwing around with somebody else. It seems a little abrupt, not because Hal wouldn't do that, but we don't know where things were left off. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll maybe we're gonna find that maybe we'll get a flashback. We'll, we'll we'll find out that based on where they left off, that maybe again it's one of those periods where we might end up together. But to, this is not one of those. You know, this this is not that time. Maybe that we're gonna get something. Well, so Liam did Liam did say on Twitter that we will see Carol. Uh, now we don't have a context of in what context we'll see her, but he did say we will see Carol. So. Right, and I think probably just as Carol, because I thought we had already heard that we weren't going to be seeing Star Sapphire, Star Sapphires, or anything anytime soon. So it probably would just be Carol as Carol. Uh, I, to me, again, if we hadn't gotten the reunion at the end of the Hal and the Core book, I wouldn't think too much about it because the, the beauty, if you will, about the Jeff John stuff was that was long term down the road. That was almost like the end of the ultimate future of all these characters. Right. So there's nothing that, that there's almost nothing that, despite everything that happened with you know Benditti, Robert taking it, you know, going off the exit ramp really quickly on the on the surface with a lot of the stuff Jeff Johns wanted to do. There is nothing that's happened so far which could not be you know course corrected down the road if. Again, if this was a finite medium where we actually would get a definitive ending to the Green Lantern story and all these characters, we know that's probably never going to happen. But if somebody ever wanted to do a miniseries down the road to say this is how it will all end and make it definitive and that's the end of the – there's nothing. I mean same, there's, not, there's nothing – You know, the St. Walker being bringing back the blues and their core being as, as large as the Green Lantern core. There's nothing that would – says that can't happen. There's nothing really that says uh, John and Fatality couldn't be together again. Down the road, Hal and Carol can end up being married and having kids. Sinestro can be the, basically what the uh, what was he the keeper of the Book of Oa? What was he? Uh, what was I don't remember name? precisely. Or the, or the guardian of the something like that, uh, of the central power battery. He was something. So all that stuff could still happen. Right. So so I I'm not overly concerned with that. It is kind of weird based on where we left it in Hal and the core, not to have. But again, when Carol comes into the book. Maybe there'll be a reference point to that. It it, it does make you it, it just it does jar you a little and make you think of that immediately because yeah he's screwing around with some blonde chick that yes we know there is well not everybody knew but now if you didn't know now we you know the listeners would know that yes there's a backstory with her that it's not a brand new character but yes it's a character that hasn't been around in forever so it does seem like it's 
it's a little a little abrupt. I, I would say I would agree with that. I I don't think Hal's upper body the art for Hal overall in the issue I wasn't that unhappy with. The Zadarian thing didn't bother me, and we mentioned the ring and having to recharge. Yeah, so I think that's I think that covers all his the stuff he didn't like. <clears throat> okay. Um, you want to go ahead and uh, tackle Benjamin? Sure, I'm just moving these as we go. So um. no worries, take your time. All right, so Benjamin, um, hello all. I've been listening to your podcast for a while, and I enjoy the episodes very much. Thank you, Benjamin. I have just finished Green Lantern number one, and while I did enjoy it, I felt somewhat confused. When did Hal have his falling out with the Guardians? New look, by the way. I don't remember that from the previous series, unless I missed something. The art is different and will take some getting used to, but I did enjoy it. I'm curious about what will happen and wonder if the anti-matter lantern has to do with that story from number 150 during the original series. Hope the original, excuse me, hope the other Earth lanterns show up soon. Can't wait to hear your thoughts. Thank you, Ben. Um, I do. Th- the, we we kind of mentioned the falling out thing with the Guardians of Hal almost being like sent to Earth to, to don't call us, we'll call you, kind of stuff. Yes, that was another thing that is kind of abrupt, certainly based on where we left them in Hal in, in the core and even Green Lanterns. Again, hopefully we'll get an explanation for that, even though I have a feeling we're not going to get that anytime soon if we are ever do. Uh, we mentioned the art, of course. I did think of the antimatter lanterns. I did think of what I did think of 150. I did think that's a pasta, even though they don't really look the same. They don't kind of look like they look more like obviously yellow lanterns. This guy, uh, but I did think of that when they, as soon as he said antimatter, uh, that made me think of that story of the anti Green Lantern Corps or whatever it was. So yeah, I I did I. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to be related. I don't know if they're going to tie it in, but it's certainly it was it's, it's one of the it's one of the best bets. If if it's if it's a callback to something, it's it's it. I mean, it would definitely be in my top five of a callback or something. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I would like it to be. I think it would be cool. I it, it but it I would. It's a good catch by by you, Benjamin. And yes, it's something that I, I'm. I think probably both of us thought about when we when we read that at the, on the last page that that's that yeah. one, certainly one of the things that made me think that it's I was the look was different so that made me think no but then again I was waiting till you and I talked to also just like am I supposed to know who this is I mean are we right. supposed to because I actually it took me a second I flipped to the end and then I, when I read the story then it made then I realized oh it's not Hal because first I thought it was Hal especially based on the alternate cover that I have it would make you think that it was Hal. But it's but it's not because you can clearly see the yellow uniform. As we're about to rip out his heart, <laughs> right? So um, what 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 he's what Ben's referring to is, of course, like he said, Green Lantern 150. The cover uh, it's not a stunning cover. So if you were flipping through back issues and skipped over it just because you're like, eh, the, the art looks a little weird, uh, you could be forgiven for it. It's a mostly yellow back, yellow greenish background. It's got Hal charging towards the reader with a bunch of weird alien ape-like uh maybe sort of beings with green lantern symbols on their chest in purple uniforms it says meet how jordan renegade green lantern of earth leader of the anti-gl Corps. his only thought is to destroy 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 how gets basically taken toward to quard uh and tossed down in front of his scientists and stuff and one of them and i'm just going to read this here and you guys can determine whether for yourselves you know, maybe you have this issue in your collection and want to go read it on the off chance that maybe it ties into this new story. 
Uh, the Quardians say to Hal, when they have him in their captivity, it has taken us almost a century to perfect our rings and power battery. But at last, our patience has won out. Still, though, as powerful as our rings are, there is but one fatal flaw. The rings require such great willpower to make them work that we had to boost the brain capacities of our soldiers. But that simply burns them out. As the rings lose their power over their course of 24 Earth hours, our soldiers die as well. This is what we want, Green Lantern. We want your ring to examine. We need to, it to learn how to perfect our own. So they're trying to get Hal to help with them creating their core and, and so on and so forth. So that's that's what he's referencing. It's, a, 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 it's an anniversary-sized issue. So, I mean, this is a big time when the Quardians had their own lanterns. So if you're looking for a reference, try and find your issue 150. Ah, <laughs> uh, those dollar issues. Those were the good old days. Those, those issues were friggin' huge. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, lots of bang for your buck back then. For sure. Uh, that's going to wrap up the, the feedback from our emails. Uh, we got a few responses and stuff over on Twitter. Like I said, like I said, Liam was replying to a couple of things like the, the Jesse had said. Uh, Jesse was sending out like a, a, a stream of consciousness, consciousness thoughts on, uh, on, uh, on Twitter and, and, and that's what it prompted him to, to send in that email. Um, there were a couple of articles we wanted to mention. Uh, Mark, do you want to talk about the first one? The one you sent me? The last one? Yes. I have to, re- I, I know cause you and I exchanged like three different articles today. So I have to remember it. that that's the one that's talking about how's how's character, right? That was the one where Morrison addresses that, right? That, the gist, the gist of this article, uh, that was that the article that he mentioned he was up to issue ten. Uh, uh, I don't know if it was, but it's, it's not it's not overly significant if that's not the particular issue. Of, I mean, article that he mentions that, but but he throws in some ideas of just that he's gonna that uh, putting Hal in, putting Hal in situations and having him react differently where many of the readers at first are gonna say, well, Hal, that's not Hal Jordan. Hal Jordan wouldn't do that. And Grant's perspective as well, he would do that potentially because he's in, he's in a different situation that he's not used to and he's going to handle things differently. But he also puts out, like I mentioned, the disclaimer that like through the first four issues, he's basically he's expecting this. this that's the way you I would read into it, that he's expecting to catch some some negative feedback by the people, the longtime Hal Jordan fans saying this is not Hal Jordan. Hal Jordan wouldn't react this way. And we'll have to see exactly the circumstances that he means. Now, I know he did throw he did throw something. I know he did mention the thing that making oh related to Ollie how oh this make Hal like like the left leaning guy, but then he kind of walked that back on the same sentence. <laughs> so, which is which I would recommend would be the wise thing to do. But I mean, but it, but he could have just been using that as an as an example of where he was going. But we'll have to see what happens when Green Arrow actually shows up in the book. But more or less, he's kind of like pumping the brakes a little to say, don't rush to judgment on this. You, that may be your initial reaction, but basically give me some time. And I guess you're, and from his perspective, you're going to see that, yes, it's still Hal Jordan and he's still not. I'm not writing him out of character. I am not not getting him. I'm going somewhere with it. So I think that was basically the gist of the, of the, last, of the last one that I found, at least of the, the part that caught my attention in it anyway. Right. 
Uh, and then you sent my me another one about his playing in the cosmic playground. Yeah, I don't. I gotta be honest with you. That one I kind of just that one I kind of just skimmed through mostly because it technically I think was it may have been that one was I think was older than yours or right around the same time a couple of days ago from yours. The other one was the other one was hot off the presses for today. <clears throat> right. Um. So uh, I uh, the one he's referring to is I sent him a link to an article from Polygon. Um. He says. Um, uh, when the cover of Green Lantern 3 was revealed in October, fans couldn't help but notice that it, well... Oh, yes, that one, yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> the Green Lantern number 3 appears to depict Hal Jordan arresting God. So, if, if uh, so, of course, Polygon asked uh, Morrison about it. He either neither confirmed nor denied that Hal Jordan was trying to arrest God, but he said even if Green Lantern is trying to arrest God, he's still trying to arrest someone for presumably a crime. We know what a heist is. We know what kidnapping is. We know what blackmail is. We know what all these crimes are, these classic crime tropes. But to see them occurring on this grand giant uh, planetary scale was what gave it the particular flavor. And then uh, to contrast that with Hal Jordan's life on Earth and open roads of New Mexico and the emptiness and the kind of quietness of that – to show that the Earth uh, in this universe is kind of a backwater planet where not a lo- really a lot goes on, um, and then they go into some some spoilers and stuff. He says, uh, you know, what they say while Maxim Maxim Tox is your typical humanoid alien, Floozle Flem is the latest in a long line of creative Green Lanterns, like the blind alien Rotlop Fan and the sentient planet Mogo. Flem is a sentient virus. He doesn't catch perps. Perps catch him. <laughs> I, I, did, I did like that, which, which of course is pretty much a direct line from the book. Right. He sure says, uh, Morrison was inspired by previous mentions of viral Green Lanterns but wanted to show how one might actually do uh, the everyday job of police work. The thought experiment led to the scene in Green Lantern number one, where Maxim Tox plays good cop to the stomach flu. Uh, Morrison teased that this won't be the last we quote-unquote see of the invisible to the naked eye lantern, but we had a follow-up question. How does a virus wear a Green Lantern ring? Well, he responded easily, they can manufacture very small nano rings that easily fit round viruses. When we show you Fluzel Flim and all the little viral components that make up Fluzel Flim, every one of them will have little lantern sign in its own ring. Uh, and then Sharp added, it'll make total sense. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the article ends, and you know what? We believe him. <laughs> so that's uh, the article I was referencing where uh, uh, Fluzel is not just a misspelling or misattempt at naming Liesel Pond. It's just another viral lantern. You have the right to remain nauseous and shitting yourself, <laughs> as, as, as they found out in this issue. Make, make the diarrhea stop. <laughs> that was a funny part of the book, though. Uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to check now. There was another uh, Twitter uh, uh, instance. Someone was, uh, uh, you know, t- tweeting in a long thread. Uh, about uh, their thoughts on um, on the thing. He says uh, this this guy is named Captain Fiction. I just wanted to read it. He says uh, this is a thread. It's obviously several tweets. My biggest problem with Green Lantern is not with the comic, which is wonderful, but with a focus. Venditti repossessioned John Stewart, gave us the coolest core we had ever had. Each of the four horsemen. 
Uh, he was referring there to, of course, to Hal, Guy, Kyle, uh, and John. Uh, we're elevated in these distinctly wonderful ways. I wish there was a way to say that without, uh, I wish there was a way to say that without detracting from the magic of Green Lantern and seeing these gorgeous pages that I will absolutely cherish for ages to come. I guess the real solution, in my opinion, is to give us more of the core. I loved Stewart and Justice League Unlimited. For many, this brought them into comics, moved John to camera center. I grew up with Hal. His Green Lantern was the one I watched on Super Friends. He was one of my first and favorite action figures given to me, one Hanukkah by my grandmother. Uh, Hal's even half Jewish now, thanks Tom King. I love Hal. But I feel like this is a step back, not forward. Still, this book is brilliant, the art is wonderful, and I cannot wait for the next issue. I remember someone, Wade maybe, saying, trust in Grant Morrison and all will be well. It is entirely likely that in six months, the Green Lantern Corps will be more diverse and wonderful than ever. It's even more likely that in six months, hypertime is fixed. Everyone has a real power ring, and O will be the super context, uh, and we will all be magic in a way we haven't felt in a long time. Sharp's pages make it all feel like star stuff of the highest order. And again, that's uh, from CAPT Fiction on Twitter. So... I just wanted to read that because this person obviously has a longer context. They were watching Super Friends and, you know, so on and so forth. So I just wanted to add add their perspective in there as well. That was pretty good. I like that. That was very, very deep, man. Deep. For sure. Um, all right. So we've covered some feedback. Uh, we've covered uh, we've, we've, we've covered the issue. We've covered our thoughts. Is there anything else we want to say about the Green Lantern number one before uh, we wrap up? And, and do, you, do you want to cover that last bit of feedback as well that we had on another topic or save that for another time? I'm going to leave this one up to you. Do you think we should do it or just wait or make? Well, what, are we, what are we at timestamp wise? Uh, we've been recording for an hour and a half. Yeah, I say why not. I mean, it's. I mean, let's just make sure we get it over. And I don't mean get it over with. I, I but, know. It's, but, it's, it's choice of words aside. I know exactly yeah. what you mean, and so not letting it hang out there just because it increases yeah. the odds it might get overlooked, and we don't want to do that. Right. All right. I'll do it. Uh, interesting name, Red Arse. <laughs> oh my! Hello, Mark and Chad. I just finished the 2018 Halloween podcast and had some thoughts regarding Mark's comments on the Halloween movie. Thank you, Mark, for your review and breakdown of the movie. The following ideas build from yours, and I hope that you find them interesting. Uh, some of this was obviously going to be lost on Chad, but that's uh, <laughs> fine. But it's uh, okay. In regards to Doctor Sartain, I think you make a great point that he wanted to see. He meant Michael. He wrote Jason. That's a Freudian slip, I'm sure. <laughs> to see Michael in the wild, you can see some of that craziness from him even in the opening hospital scene when. Journalist Aaron Corey was teasing Michael with the mask. For me, I was wondering why the doctor did not stop Aaron as soon as he took out the mask. You would think that the doctor would not want Michael to be incited, but it seems that the doctor wanted to see if this could get a response out of Michael. I think that's all correct. The doctor almost seemed as crazed as his patients in that scene, anticipating Michael's reaction. I would say he seemed more... He was, He really, from an observational perspective, I think he just... Wa- that. He hit the nail on that. He wanted a reaction. He wanted to see if that could trigger to get a reaction out of Michael as opposed to Michael just staying the way he had basically been for the last 40 years. 
Uh, also, to your point on Michael in the wild, I think that this idea actually solves some of the plot holes you mentioned. First, the doctor probably insisted that the transfer coincide with Halloween. I think that's possible. Secondly, knowing what we know now about the doctor later in the movie, he must have purposely freed Michael on the bus. This would also explain why the doctor insisted to escort Michael in the first place. I agree with all that. My other point is to try to answer why Laurie Strode. First, there were parallel ideas by other characters through the whole movie that the only thing driving Laurie and Michael was the potential future opportunity to kill each other. Second, for Michael, and I think that it was as simple as Laurie is the one that got away and that he did not like that. I believe it was Dr. Sertain or maybe it was Aaron who made the comment that Laurie is obviously obsessed, obsessed about Michael because of the trauma he caused. But what about Michael? How did the events of the Halloween 1978 of Halloween 1978 affect him. Uh, I, I did email Jack, which is his actual name, uh, about this. But I, the Laurie Strode stuff, I think, is straightforward, even though it's not... As when you actually see the movie, that it becomes pretty clear that Michael doesn't really... My, Michael is exactly as Dr. Loomis portrayed him in the first movie. That he's just... There's nothing human from a... From a sentience from a consciousness behind his eyes anymore that he doesn't he he there's nothing real well there's a force that drives michael but he does he doesn't have any human emotion he doesn't re, he doesn't hold grudges he does what you know he does what he needs to do he kills you if you happen to get in his way or if you grab his attention but but it's not it's not personal Especially now that they they wiped out that connection between Michael and Laurie that they're not brother and sister anymore in this alternate timeline. You see the movie play out. He doesn't. He's not after Laurie. He, I mean, he he's only he only deals with Laurie when he's when Laurie is basically put in his path, which is Sartain's plan. Sartain believes that there's a connection between the two of them, like they're two sides of the same coin, and he wants to see what would happen if he puts them together. Uh. But Michael doesn't care. Michael is not heading towards Laurie the entire time in the movie. In fact, the first time they encounter each other, you know, Mike, she, I think she calls to Michael and she shoots him in the shoulder, and Michael just keeps walking away because he doesn't care. I mean, he recognizes her, and he seemingly recognizes her in the window when he tilts his head, but, but he's only after her when Sartain pretty much pushes Michael in that direction, and then their paths happen to cross. As far as Laurie, yeah, Laurie's obsessed with Michael. In fact, in the original, supposedly in the original version of the movie that they shot and they and they changed, Laurie was responsible for the bus crash. Laurie was to free Michael, but they changed that because a the audience didn't like it, and plus it basically makes Laurie responsible for everybody he he kills in this movie because she freed him on purpose. Uh, so as again, the effects of the seventy original seventy eight movie, he doesn't have any effects other I mean psychological or emotional effects. That's not the way Michael really is. Uh, thank you, Mark, for allowing me to think a little deeper about this movie. Also, I wanted to leave a comment about the main podcast, since that, this is the reason why I listened to the podcast in the first place. I know that Chad and you are always looking for suggestions on the show. This Lorefleas episode had me thinking that you and Chad often agree a lot, which, of course, there's nothing wrong with, especially when it is about how bad the Lorefleas book is. But sometimes differing opinion makes for better podcasting, even if it's just one individual playing devil's advocate. Just a thought. Regardless, I enjoy the show and am an avid listener. Thanks, Jack. And I kind of addressed this, too, uh, in an email. Obviously, 
you and I, you and I don't agree on a lot of things. Blake, Go Panthers. Like, yeah. Well, see, I don't have an ish big issue with that. But, but I mean, there are a lot. There are lots of things, and Chad and I kind of know what what they are that we are not like two birds of a feather on. It just so happens that when it comes to a lot of the material we've been reading and reviewing lately, we kind of are more on the same path. I do play devil's advocate a lot in my life. Uh, it is so. I I'm not going to go out of my way to be a contrarian when I don't think there needs to be. I'm not going to like. That's, I don't think I don't think that's good uh, when you just just trying to contradict somebody or take the other opposite position just because you can. Yes, it would. I mean, philosophically, from a debate perspective, if you really are a good debater, you could take you could take positions that you don't agree with and make a case for them. That, but that's not for this. But this isn't debate club. <laughs> uh, so, Chad and I, when when it seems appropriate, I think Chad and I will both do that. I think obviously this issue, I don't think. We we are not diametrically opposed on this book. I think Chad liked it more than I did. Uh, I did point out some of the things, even though does, you do, I understand why it was probably I understand why Morrison did what he did, but I did point out again, like the the you know the wordy exposition that to me I d- didn't do as much for me, and some of the things that b- based on where the book the previous books left off that we don't, that this seems to contradict. Like some of the uh, other feedback said, so there there will be some of that. It's just so ha- it just so happens that as an example, not that we're going to reopen this wound just because it, it, God, it seemingly is fading away again. But Chad and I clearly have different views on the whole James Gunn thing, <laughs> and we've talked about that. I, and I don't know if, J- if his opinion changed at all when more, you know when the pictures and other stuff came out and there was a little more you know. But it, yeah, it, it changed more towards yours than. I see. I again. I figured it would have because what you not not a hundred percent, but it, no, it, it, it did change. But yeah, it's it, and I and I and in and showing you the utmost respect, and because I do respect you, I would have expected that to happen. Because while you and I lean a little different, certainly politically, we are both rational in the sense that if some if something comes out. If evidence comes out or we're able to look at things, I think both of us are capable of looking at things objectively, even though we may lean a certain direction, which a lot of people these days are not. So I would exp- I, I would have been more surprised slash disappointed if you didn't at least step a, step step back, not your basic point that maybe there should be an expiration date on what stuff – is there an expiration date on what stuff people have done in their past where it doesn't become – where it becomes, you know, no longer a fair game. That I not that you I, I would expect you to have changed your position on that as much as I would expect you. I kind of figured you would change your position a little bit on using James Gunn as the poster child for that argument. Yeah. Because realistically, objectively, yeah, it's from a lot of people. People, come on, you have to look in the mirror and realize why you're supporting. Who you were supporting? Is it because you like his politics? Is it because you love his movies so much? His movies so much, or the Guardian so much that you didn't care what he did? You have to be consistent, especially when we have other people who've gotten the axe for doing a lot less stuff than James. I mean, and over and over. I mean, it's not, this wasn't an isolated. But again, back on point. But that's it. I use that as an example just because initially that is something Chad and I kind of disagreed with, and the way it came up. So. That's an that's an example. So there will be there will be times when and there may be some pat you know and even Last Jedi we disagreed on. We weren't we weren't diametrically opposed. Like Chad didn't love it and thought it was flawless, and I didn't hate it and thought it was worthless. We were both kind of in the middle where I think you saw problems with it, but you liked it. I thought there were some good things in it, but.
but I didn't like it. Right. You know, so we were like we were like in the middle, but leaning towards you know in opposite directions. So we don't agree on everything. We but we but but it's also not like you know crossfire or Cisco and Ebert sometimes where it's just going at it back and forth because I think if we were always doing that, it would really make it hard for us to work together. <laughs> Uh, and, and when this topic comes up in sometimes feedback, in various feedbacks, it can be social media, it can be email, it can be voicemail, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm just going to jump the gun a bit and take this to the next uh, conclusion step that this point usually gets to. And, and, and I'm not saying that it's a bad point. What I, but inevitably, when we get this uh, sort of idea that Mark and I agree a lot on the books and maybe it'd be good to have a differing opinion or devil's advocate, they mention sometimes things like bringing on guests. Right. Uh, or Which things we're like not that. overall opposed to, clearly. We're not, but but here's the for people who are not podcasters uh, or have that experience. Here's the problem with that. Now, I am not saying that Mark or myself are flawless uh, entertainers with great voices and know how to talk. And I'm not saying that. What I am saying is we have experience doing this. Some people. When you bring on a random person on a show, they just don't click or they don't talk as much or they're not sure how to or they're not sure to when to interject with their thoughts or the polar opposite. Some people talk way too much. They monopolize the time, whatever it may be. So it's it's not that we don't want people on. It's bringing on an unknown uh, quantity could affect the output that we have. And we don't want to get in a situation where we bring someone on who we haven't had on before or haven't had experience with, and we end up with product that we either have to heavily edit or just isn't that entertaining or whatever that may be. And again, like I said, Mark and I aren't saying in in this that we're flawless. It's just we've been doing this for a while. We know that we mesh well together and, and how all this works. So bringing in an unknown quantity is sometimes a bit of a flip of a coin when you're doing a podcast. That's a good point. Um, but yeah, it's it's. I mean, and, and it's not like we plan on, on the stuff we agree. I mean, some stuff we can, some stuff we can assume we're going to agree on. Like, but we're doing something more like like the Larfleet stuff. I mean, I don't think that from the from from threshold. I don't think either one of us. I think we both kind of suspected. If, if even if just by reputation or what we kind of as an example of something we may have we read but if we did read it we read it years ago but but it didn't let, that it's pretty safe to say we were we weren't going to be awed by the by the material sometimes it's predictable but we don't but a lo- usually usually we don't have any real discussions ahead of time at any for at, for any great or at any great length about how we feel about this uh so it's just, it's it's luck of the draw. I mean, and it just happens to be. Now, mind you, there's been some material that we've done, and I'm pretty straightforward with that. There's been some material that we've done that I that initially, you know, I've had you know no interest in doing. Uh, just like I'm sure there's stuff that we've done that that have been more interesting to me, and Chad didn't really want to do it. So we do stuff like that, and then sometimes you read the, you read the issue in particular, or the or several issues if it's multiple, and it's like, okay, that was pretty good. I may not have had he or I may have had no interest in reading the story maybe to start with, but when you actually have it in front of you, it's like okay, 
Yeah. Like, like, like Odyssey, like Justice League Odyssey. I mean, that had no appeal to me whatsoever conceptually, but I read the first issue and was like, okay, I enjoyed it. Now, if you had asked me go before I'd ever opened the book that I think I was going to enjoy it, I would say no. So sometimes you get thrown, you get thrown, you know, curveballs. Same with Supergirl. You had no interest in that. Yeah, Supergirl. So. Supergirl. Supergirl was a. I mean, I was more interested because it was it was more Green Lantern, it was more Green Lantern related. But it just seems by luck of the draw with the material we've gotten lately that Chad and I tend to be, you know, we've t- tended to be more in more in agreement with. So, but we do disagree. We're going to disagree on stuff, and it's but I don't. It certainly would not be a good i a good idea for the marriage of our partnership on air to go out of our way to try to pick topics that we're gonna that that we are. That we are equally passionate about all the time on the opposite end because that is a good way to have a lot of problems. <laughs> I mean, you, sometimes you can separate it. Don't get me wrong, but I'm, dissension I'm saying, in the ranks. Yeah, I, I'm not saying we can't ha- we can't have a civil discussion on opposite views because I think we certainly are capable of doing that. I'm just saying if two if you're always at odds with somebody all the time, if it's where it gets to the point where you say, oh, it's 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 like oh, it's 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 sunny today. No, it's cloudy. Or, or, or even better, it's partly sunny. No, it's partly cloudy. <laughs> it's like then that gets old after a while, and so I think that. So, but we certainly do not go out of our way to try to agree. It just lately has kind of happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a good point you mentioned about you know we don't talk about our thoughts on the issues before we do the review. I mean, very rarely if something like strange pops up, we'll be like, "Did you see that?" And wait, what? Can I clarify just before we start recording? Did I see that the way I saw that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but but if we talk Especially. about it, if we talk about it uh, before we record, then it almost feels like we're repeating ourselves. So when I ask Mark the questions I ask him after I do a recap, or vice versa, he asks me questions. He's genuinely, or I'm genuinely, asking those questions to the other person for the first time. So those are the genuine reactions you're getting. Right, rather than just us recapping what we said to each other on social media. Right, because sometimes if we do if we do ask a question to each other ahead of time, it's because, in all honesty, it, it is a question which may affect the recap. Because right, it's something either we don't we're not one hundred percent sure about, or and some and obviously again, like you mentioned, we certainly are imperfect. So sometimes you overlook something or you misinterpret something. And I, or, and I and certainly I've been guilty of that, especially when I'm trying to gloss over it and do a review. That sometimes even a panel or something that I kind of wanted, that I thought was interesting enough to discuss, but to try to give a succinct review, which we've kind of another thing we've tried to do more lately is kind of give more of a succinct review than some of the ways we used to do it. That sometimes, yeah, things get. But yeah, the react the reactions, and sometimes when we you know when we add comments, it commentary not we don't try to interrupt really it's just that we think something either doesn't get mentioned or there's a question raised like even before you when you said that thing about how like going to investigate you know the 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 stuff in the sky you kind of like caught that yourself and you said no i think kind of basically like oh i think he's just is he just going out for a walk is he just and it's like yeah because he, he was he was too busy getting his freak on to really care about anything we see the stuff in the sky, which basically was uh, what Chrysalon's ship coming down, but he's too busy uh, getting it on. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Well, obviously, we're not going to tease next episode because we're not 100% sure if that's going to be the thing or not. So do you want to tell people how they can reach out to us like these uh, other people who gave us feedback on this issue uh, did? Yes, but speaking of uh, not 
teasing about what the next episode is going to be. It is kind of funny because I guess it's appropriate because this is the day after Election Day that much like candidates who no longer to, who no, no longer have to lie, at least for a few years, because it's the election's over. We, we're, we're, we're liars now because we said pretty much you wouldn't be having an episode <laughs> until the anniversary episode. But speaking of which, as a disclaimer ahead of time, number one, we're – I think Chad and I have kind of agreed, which makes the mo- which kind of always made sense. We just never talked about it. We're probably uh, yeah. Com- okay, yeah, guys, let's sit. We're going to sit you down. Chad and I talked today. Yes. And that, <laughs> we came the, to a decision as yes, a family. That the, that the, oh God, <laughs> that the anniversary issue is episode is the episode is going to be more like tied into our Christmas episode because which we haven't mm-hmm. done in the last few years anyway. Usually because the last few years we've always had a big anniversary episode. Uh, to to do kind of in November-ish to begin with, so it's always taken the place of doing a, a December a Christmas episode. So in all likelihood, the episode you get towards the end of December is going to be the anniversary slash Christmas episode. Right, which think, would probably also take the place. I mean, like after that, we probably don't expect something until the new year because then you'll have family Christmas wrap up stuff, New Year stuff, so on and so forth that we will be dealing with in real life. Correct, and that's that's the, the next thing I was going to say was. Because of that, with that disclaimer, and because there were, that a we really have nothing peeling the curtain back a little bit more as we speak. We really have we haven't had a chance, and that's the problem with recording episodes also every week. That besides real life stuff, and it's going to get more hectic with vacations and holiday. We have really very little for this episode already ready to go. So because we're going to need time to record for this episode, the reality is. Do not expect too many more episodes between now and the anniversary episode. I know we kind of sort of said that before, but now realistically, you're probably going to get – and I don't mind teasing this because if it doesn't happen, then you know why it didn't happen. If if Jim and I are supposed to record this week, if we don't record – if we do record, then you'll get a pre-birth next week. If you don't, you will not have an episode next week. That's what's going to happen. So, And then looking ahead into December, we you know it's going to be Thanksgiving week coming up. The only thing we can probably guarantee in December will be you'll get another episode that we're talking about the Green Lantern number two. Mm-hmm. That's probably about the only thing we can guarantee you because, again, it will be an easy thing to do a quick turnaround on. Other than that, and so you might get pre-birth next week, which will be the week before Thanksgiving. You're pretty safe that you're not going to get one the week of Thanksgiving. So it's it comes down to so it's very possible you might only get two reg, two regular episodes in, regular in quotes including a spin-off two episodes before the anniversary episode so and i st- and i still need to record an, a new episode of glga so it's that is also a potential possibility yes. but again i haven't sat down to record it yet so until it's recorded don't don't hold me to it and right, and, and 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 we mark mentioned a lot of the reason but Another aspect of this, the reason that the anniversary episode is not happening on the anniversary is because the, our, the, the Lantern cast anniversary, whether it's Mark and I taking over the show or the start of the show itself uh, 10 years ago, is in November, around mid-November. Then we usually sometimes have the Christmas episode. Then you also take into account any milestone episodes, whether it be like – 250 or 200 or 300 or whatever it may be, you know, those, 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 uh, milestone number episodes, a milestone episode 
a anniversary episode and a Christmas episode are all basically the same thing, tonally. We have clips of us talking with various listeners. We bring on past hosts, past guests. We just talk. We, you know, it's, it's, it's just something to reminisce and celebrate with each other, either a milestone or the holiday or the anniversary of the show. Since they're all the same thing, there's no point in us doing say, an anniversary episode one month, and then the very next month, the holiday episode. Just give us that extra month, and we'll give you the same thing you'd be getting back-to-back, essentially, but more prepared, <laughs> and it'll be a good way to end out the year. <laughs> right, so look, looking ahead briefly for this, uh, after we do our Christmas-slash-10th anniversary episode, uh, the next one would obviously be episode 350. Now right. we we cannot guarantee that 350 is going to be a particular. It, it it probably is not going to be. Oh, let's bring people on and just chit chat. Going out in a limb, I could be wrong, but considering we no. just would have done that like seven episodes before, less than seven because this is 343. Probably not. It maybe we'll do. Maybe we'll pick a special topic. Maybe, but as far as uh, uh, overly chit chatty, bring people. It's possible, but I think. Because of how close it's going to come to our 10th anniversary episode, maybe not. But I'm just I'm just throwing that out there as a possibility. Things can change. It depends on the timing. Depends on the timing too. How many episodes we do in January? If we are like Chad said, if we end up having, if we end up having like over a month's gap between, you know, the Christmas episode and as we start knocking on the door at 350, then maybe. But I'm but just using that as an example. Some of these things fall relatively close to each other. And November 16th actually would seemingly be the official anniversary date based mm-hmm. on the first episode of for Jim and Dan, episode zero. So uh, so that would be next Friday, as, mm-hmm. as we're stating the next Friday. So so if you were lucky, we'll have a pre-birth episode for the anniversary, <laughs> on the anniversary yeah. date. If, if, you, if, you guys, if you guys end up recording that, uh, just make yes. sure to say something about as you hear this. <laughs> yes, I, I will. Yes, yes, that is true. Uh but so that I just I just wanted to say that. Oh, and by the way, as I before as I go into the ending here, based on the two different things that I saw, it, I did not see any evidence. Oh, I was blown up before Kyle did it. <laughs> oh, okay. I could be wrong, but based on the initial searching, it seemed like that was always the first one people that was listed when Hal and Kyle fought, and Kyle overloaded Oa. Right, well, so, well, oh, oh, I'm sorry. He Kyle destroyed it again because remember in the ghosts annual. Necron brings back. Oh, well, oh that uh, might have been. Well, maybe that's what you. Maybe, you should, maybe that's what you were thinking of. Yeah, maybe that's what I was thinking about. Yeah, but so I, I mean, technically, yeah, zombie Oa. Te- the same way in Blackest Night there were zombies Anchi, but like you know, Necron did reconstitute Oa technically in that Ghost Annual, and Kyle destroyed that too. So, <laughs> Torchbearer and Homeworld Destroyer. <laughs> 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 He's got an expansive re- resume. Uh, oi, okay. Uh, <laughs> We're all over the map at the edge of at, yeah, end of this one. The edge of oblivion. But I'm bummed. There we go. So let's throw in. So uh, lanterncast.com, uh, lanterncast at gmail.com. Uh, we think 708 Lantern is still going to be functional. <laughs> it's still, it still actually is, right, technically? We think. Uh, <laughs> uh, Corwin, test it. Uh, we just, it's just a matter of relinking it to one of our phones as a 
notification thing if it's not but it's going it will be it it should be uh but make sure you stay if that's if jim doesn't take care of that while i'm gone stay on him um <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah 708 lantern is the voicemail theoretically <laughs> let us know what you think uh we're on twitter we're on facebook hashtag hashtag glcast to locate us on either and itunes and stitcher whichever platform you leave you listen to us on please leave us a positive review and yeah, so uh, Chad now we don't know exactly when you'll hear us again, whether it will be the Green Lantern two or before. But we just figured we'd give you the uh, the lay of the land for what's coming. Since, whoa, uh, since uh, that's pretty much we pretty much decided that today. <laughs> Are we still recording after that error? <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what that little what that little glitch was, but yet as far as as far as I can see. We can right. still re- record. Well, let's end it while we're ahead. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs>